This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. There'll be a lot of discussions. I'm sure there already have been a number of them at the Steeler headquarters on the south side. What to do now about Antonio Brown? Maybe that's already been decided. Maybe phone calls have already been made to other teams. Maybe other teams have already called the Steelers. Keep in mind that there's a five-day window in March where the activity can occur. Also keep in mind two different things associated with the same issue. Number one, Antonio Brown is doing a a a $2.5 million roster bonus around that time. You don't want to have to pay that. Why would you? I mean, it's not a whole lot of money, relatively speaking, but why pay it to them? Number two, you want your draft picks. Assuming that's what you get in return, I would think partially that would be part of the return, if not totally. I mean, you want that before the draft. Now, the draft would still be nearly two months away, but still, you know, people talking about, well, I'll do it in June. You know, you say this in the cap. Well, no, because your return most likely going to be a draft pick or draft picks. You want that now. You want it for this coming draft. So who's interested? Well, I think everybody just about would be interested in getting a guy like Antonio Brown with the baggage. And teams are, if, if they have a specific need, they're willing to do it. Look, The Bears give up two number ones for Khalil Mack to the Raiders. Now, on draft day, maybe the Bears say, "Eh, it'd be nice to participate, but they're in the playoffs for the first time in six years. He's not the only reason, but he's a darn big one for it. Talk about Khalil Mack. The Raiders traded away Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys may not get full benefited that because Cooper has one more year coming up before he can become a free agent. Maybe he'll re-sign with Dallas. Better bet he'd re-sign with Dallas than he would with Oakland. So teams are willing to do that. They think they need help now. Who would want Antonio Brown? Well, let's start with the baggage. Nobody wants the baggage. But there have been a lot of teams who trade for a lot of troubled people because they thought that their atmosphere would make a difference. There may be a lot of people out there who think that, well, maybe it's a Pittsburgh thing with Brown. If you trade him to team A, B, or C, the environment would be different. He'd be happy. Maybe we jack up his contract a little bit. Maybe we offer to buy him new furniture for that dump in Miami that he threw over the edge. Here, Antonio. Here's a chaise lounge you can throw over on the pool deck. So there'll be teams interested, baggage aside. Now, I want to give full credit where credit is due. Ray Fittipaldo, who's a frequent guest on the show, covers the Steelers for the Post-Gazette, Wrote a terrific article today in this morning's paper. This is one of the days you get it, you know. 
Not tomorrow, but today. So Ray did all the legwork on this, and I want to give him full credit. And we're going to be talking about this with Nate Davis of USA Today at 1 o'clock, get his perspective. Maybe there are different teams. I don't know if this is necessarily in order. But Ray lists the Raiders. Why? Well, they got rid of Cooper, right? They have a pretty decent quarterback in Derek Carr. They need another weapon. They're moving to Las Vegas. Not this coming season, but in 2020. He'd be attractive out there. And as I, that's why I mentioned before, the Raiders have 10 picks in the 2019 draft, including three in the first round, numbers 4, 27, and 25, and number 35, which is the third pick in the second round, which essentially is a late first rounder. Ray's conclusion, Brown to the Raiders for the number four overall, or 25 and 27. I'll tell you right now, oh, I'd love to get the fourth pick. I don't know if the Raiders are give, I would give that up for Antonio Brown. If they did, they would not give up anything else. That'd be, that's my guess. But I'm going to tell you right now, if the Raiders said, okay, we'll give you 25 Pick number 25, first round, and the third pick in the second round for Antonio Brown, I'm making the deal. I'm making the deal. Naturally, if they offered the number four, and that was all they offered, I definitely would make that trade. Two, Arizona. People have talked about trading Antonio Brown to Arizona for Patrick Peterson. His contract is short. Peterson, I'm talking about what an addition he would make. People talk about Larry Fitzgerald. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind having Larry Fitzgerald for one more year, but I don't know that Larry's going to play more than one year. But the point is that Arizona would need a replacement for Larry Fitzgerald. Antonio Brown would be it. And let's remember something, to the best of my knowledge, Antonio Brown doesn't have any kind of a no-trade clause. I mean, he can't veto anything. So if you want to send him to Timbuktu, you can. A lot will depend on who the Cardinals hire as their new head coach. Will be an offensive guy? They did invest a high number one pick, number 10, as I remember, on Josh Rosen. You need a target. They got a good running back in David Johnson. Patrick Peterson asked for a trade, then they kind of rescinded that, but the Cardinals do have the number one overall pick in the draft. I don't think you're getting that for Antonio Brown. But the Cardinals also have the second pick in the first round. And as Ray Fittipaldo suggests, how about Antonio Brown for Patrick Peterson, and the number 33. 
Peterson will be 29 before training camp, and he has two years left in his contract. I'd make that deal in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? Antonio Brown, Patrick Peterson, and the second pick in the second round. Absolutely. He mentions the Jets. Well, they're going to have a new head coach. They invested a number one, a high number one, in drafting Sam Darnold. They don't have many, if any, offensive weapons. They have a ton of room, over $100 million in the salary cap. They've got the number three overall pick. I don't think they give that up for Antonio Brown. I don't think they do that. I mean, if I'm the Steelers, I would, certainly, but I don't think the Jets do. He mentioned the 49ers. They've got the number two selection in the draft. Again, I don't think they're going to get a draft pick that high for Antonio Brown. I just don't. And so I think that wipes out the 49ers and the Jets. The Dolphins? A.B., as you know, is from Miami. He's got furniture strewn all over South Beach. The Dolphins have one of the best young corners in the league in Xavier Howard. And Ray suggesting Brown to the Dolphins for Howard. And they have the 13th pick. I don't think they make the deal. I don't think they make that deal. Miami, I mean. Oh, if I'm the Steelers, I wouldn't. A heartbeat. Are you kidding? I think the Raiders make sense because of the abundance of picks they have. Arizona makes sense. And I think Miami makes sense. The Jets, 49ers, not so much because I don't think you're going to get the number two or number three overall pick. I don't think anybody's going to pay that. I just don't. I would hope the Steelers get that kind of return that we suggested with the Raiders or Arizona or Miami. Again, we're going to talk to Nate Davis. He wrote an article about this and had some suggestions concerning this. He'll be on at 1 o'clock. Matt Williams will discuss it too. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Here's the snap. Ben steps up. Throws the back shoulder fake. It's caught, and he's running. A.B.'s to the 20, 15-10, touchdown, Antonio Brown. Two defenders were converging. One of the Philippines got a piece of the ball. It tipped right into his hands, and he said, see you later. Antonio Brown made an awful lot of great plays here. No one's denying that. No one denies that he belongs to the conversation as certainly... One of the best wide receivers in the game, although he didn't make first or second team. The Associated Press All-Pro team announced today, be that as it may, there are other issues involved. We've discussed it at length here. If it's a foregone conclusion that Antonio Brown will be gone in March, the question is where and for whom or what? We're joined now by Nate Davis. Nate is the NFL writer for USA Today. He had some good thoughts on an interesting article he wrote in Wednesday's USA Today. Nate, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Hello, Nate. You there? 
Yeah, I'm here. You got me? Yeah, we got you. Okay. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Um, just in general, um, do you get the sense that it's, although it doesn't have to happen today or tomorrow or the next two months, that Antonio Brown will be gone from the Steelers? Well, I mean, it certainly seems like it's an open discussion, and I don't think it can actually happen before the, the new league year starts um, in March. But, you know, to, to me it was telling on Wednesday when, when Mike Tomlin, who, who for so many times is, you, know, you don't want to say apologize for Antonio Brown, but he's kind of just said, you know, he's going to be disciplined in-house, and that's kind of the last thing you ever hear about it. You know, when, when Mike Tomlin kind of says, you know, hey, we haven't gotten a trade request uh, yet, um, and he doesn't categorically shoot down the notion that they would – uh, be open to, to moving Antonio Brown. You know, I think that says a lot about Mike's mindset and 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 and, and the club's mindset, and just kind of the fact that they're 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 fed up with the antics. Uh, and oh, by the way, this probably isn't a bad time you know, to consider the move. I mean, Antonio Brown is is still obviously a highly productive player. Uh, he is he is thirty years old, um, but the Steelers have you know clearly you know uh, an emerging number one in Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, and and the second round pick, you know, this year in James Washington. So it's it's not going to, you know, I'm not suggesting either one of those guys, Antonio Brown, but they're in a good position to kind of absorb the loss. And you know, considering what they could probably get in return for Antonio Brown, you know, I think the Steelers could certainly use some more draft capital to uh, to shore up other areas of that team. You know, namely the defense. Yeah, undoubtedly, I was at the press conference. I'm every week, um, and to put it bluntly, Tomlin was pissed at Antonio Brown. I mean, he felt personally. Um, abused by Brown, the trust that he thought he'd created. Uh, so the question now is, and again, it'll be an open question, but I certainly think that they're leaning towards that and ultimately won't be Tomlin's decision. It'll be Art Rooney's. Um, but in terms of potential landing spots, Nate, um, you know, who, in your view, are the top teams that they understand what they're getting on both ends of what you get with Antonio Brown, but also perhaps the player capital or, more importantly, the draft capital they have to, to offer the Steelers in return? Well, I think you you take several things into account. You know, I noted a couple teams like the, the, the Jets uh, and the Colts who have, have a ton of cap space and would have no, uh, no issue taking on a, a contract uh, the size of Antonio Brown's um, extension while still allowing themselves other uh, other you know, abilities to, to, to maneuver um, elsewhere, even if they get Antonio Brown. Um, and you certainly look at teams that, that are going to have uh, the draft capital all to, to offer. That's why I kind of like the Colts. You know, they've got the extra second-round pick uh, th- this year. Um, certainly, you know, the Packers are not a team that generally makes these kind of moves, but they have an extra first-rounder this year. Uh, the Raiders have, you know, as we all know, five first-rounders over the next two years. So, I mean, you know, I think those are the type of teams – you know, the Steelers, you, you probably reach out to because you know that they, they've got the flexibility uh, to, to make those kind of moves if you're looking for, say, two first-round draft picks. But um, I think you probably also give extra onus to teams, you know, in, in the NFC. You know, we've seen George Kittle, the 49ers, uh, reach out to, to AB. And, you know, I think if you're, you're, the, you're the Steelers, that is, you know, certainly you're not looking to move them to a team like the Patriots. You probably would prefer to get, you know, Antonio Brown out of the AFC so you don't have to deal with them. Uh, on on the field, um, so I, I think those are probably the good, good starting points for those kind of considerations. And you know, those were among the teams. I think I, I listed eight in that piece I wrote on on Wednesday. I've already credited Ray Fittipaldi. You may be a, a, a familiar with Ray. Covers the Steelers for the Post Gazette. Um, he's got the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Jets, the Dolphins, 
and the 49ers based on what they have and what, what draft choices they have. Let me just start in generalities, Nate. How high, and, and that's, I mean, he's talking about like the Jets have what, the number three, uh, the 49ers have the number two. I don't think there's any way that either one of those teams is going to give up that high a draft pick for Antonio Brown. Now, maybe you disagree. How high, let's start with draft picks, how high a number one, what position in the first round do you think that they, the Steelers could reasonably expect to extract in a deal? I, I think probably, you know, reasonably, you, you would probably expect more of a, of a mid-round uh, number one or, or, or second half, you know, and that's why you look at the team like the Raiders. You know, I think, I think that's a point well taken. You know, for, for example, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine the Jets giving up that number three, particularly since they don't have a second rounder this year. They've already traded that to the Colts. Um, you know, that being said, too, the, the, the Jets over the years have made some rather, you know, they're not adverse to, to the headline splashy move uh, and doing that kind of thing. And, I mean, and the other factor to consider here, too, is when you look ahead to this draft, it's very, very heavy on defense. Uh, there are not any kind of, you know, Julio Jones, um, you know, kind of receivers in this draft, Antonio Brown, et cetera. I mean, I think that's part of the reason the Cowboys pulled the trigger on the Amari Cooper trade because, you know, you're not going to get, I don't think, uh, that kind of impact receiver uh, as a rookie in this, tra- in this draft if you are a team like the Jets looking to help uh, a guy like Sam Darnold. But, um, again, we know, we know the value of draft picks. We know that general managers usually don't want to, you know, look back, be looked back upon and be wrong about, you know, I can't believe you traded that number three pick uh, for, for a 30-year-old guy. You know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that equation. But, you know, we've also seen more of a willingness in recent years to make those kind of moves. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's going to kind of depend on what other teams are willing to give up. And, you know, for teams like the, the Jets and 49ers, uh, it's a high pick based on where you're standing. But, um, you know, you've also got that option of giving up a, a two or a three and, and a 2020 first-round pick. But uh, given where the Steelers are, given Ben Roethlisberger's age, you know, I think you're going to want that draft to turn right away. You're not going to want to defer it to a later draft. I agree. I think you're 100% right. Nate Davis of the USA Today is our guest on Saverin on Sports. One of the intriguing suggestions, and this came up early in the season this year when Patrick Peterson either did or did not ask for a trade. He rescinded that. Whatever happened. Um, Arizona, obviously, as the number one overall pick, they're not giving that up. But can you see this scenario? It intrigued me. Of all the possible two of them uh, intrigued me, the Dolphins, uh, but but the Arizona Cardinals, um, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, people here are familiar with because he played college ball here, um, may have a year left. I don't know if he's going to come back or not. Uh, what about Antonio Brown, Arizona? they got a young quarterback out there. Um, they'd like to get a target for him. Peterson apparently wants out. Um, what about Antonio Brown for Patrick Peterson and Arizona's got the third pick in the second. Does that make any sense to you, Nate? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could. And, and I know that the Steelers were, were kind of one of those teams that were maybe mentioned, uh, you know, when, when we thought there might be a, a Patrick Peterson sweepstakes uh, back at the trade deadline. So it, it would seem like that could be one. And then given, given the size of the contract, that might be one uh, that, that works for, for both teams. Um, but, you know, again, I, I, it, it's hard to say, you know, Peterson's kind of an institution – uh, in, in Arizona, you know, I do think they have the makings for, for a fairly quick turnaround uh, if they want to. Uh, and they've also got a pretty good young receiver there in Christian Kirk, who, who they drafted in the second round uh, this year. So it's not like the cupboard is necessarily bare with Larry Fitzgerald retires. But, 
Um, you know, again, you can see it, you know, uh, and again, I kind of go back to, you know, I think everyone's pretty much early on here. We're, we're all pegging Nick Bosa, um, to, to the Cardinals as a number one pick, but in terms of talent, you know, and best player on the board and all that, you can justify that, but that's not, you know, he's not necessarily what the Cardinals need right now is Chandler Jones. I mean, this was, this was the worst offense in the league this year. Yeah. Uh, and certainly you want to give help. Uh, to, to Josh Rosen, so you know, on some levels, it, it does make sense. It's just you know, can, can they work out the mechanics of it, and are they are they going to be willing to give up a uh, number one pick if that's what we're talking about here? And, and maybe it's number one pick in, in exchange for the Steelers' number one pick, so they at least get to move up the board to the top there. I mean, maybe, maybe that maybe that's the type of thing that could get it done. Um, just flip flop positions there. Steelers have number twenty. Um, are you including Peterson in all this? I, I mean, it could be. Again, you know, I've, I've you know. Some of our reporting has, has, has been that you know I think Patrick Peterson legitimately did did one out of Arizona this year and was frustrated and uh, you know he's I think he's now eight years just completed his eighth season of his career and, and really doesn't look any closer to that Lombardi ring. I mean he, he wanted out of there and I think he was kind of playing the good soldier, soldier card, you know when the when the draft deadline approached and it became obvious he wouldn't be traded um, uh, and, and you know wanted to support the franchise, but. Uh, there's no question Patrick Peterson wouldn't mind going somewhere else and trying to get that Lombardi trophy with with a team that uh, looks a lot closer uh, than Arizona does right now. So I think I think he is a guy that could be on the table, whether it's to Pittsburgh and in some kind of mega deal or some other team that could use him. Uh, he would certainly be a great fit here with Joe Hayden on the other corner. Obviously, they have issues uh, in their secondary. The other suggestion was the Dolphins, and and I mentioned this, Nate. Um, because um, the Dolphins have the 13th overall pick, um, but they also have Xavier Howard, um, a good young cornerback. And I'm wondering, Antonio Brown is from Miami. He lives there in the offseason. Um, he throws furniture off his balcony there in the offseason, uh, whatever else uh, he's involved with, uh, so he can be close to Le'Veon Bell, I assume. But uh, how much do the Dolphins like Xavier Howard? And uh, they don't have a head coach right now. Um, I I don't know if they're satisfied with Ryan Tannehill. I had no, no idea what their plans are. But would Antonio Brown be a good fit in Miami, given all that I've suggested? Yeah, you know what? I, I originally had the Dolphins on my list for for a lot of the same reasons that that you listed there. Um, but you know, I, I don't know how much sense it really does you know make for them. I mean, you do kind of make you know. I was making that that linkage back to you know Antonio Brown can go home. You know, they, they could certainly use. Uh, a guy, given that you know, Devontae Parker hasn't really worked out. Um, but I think the Dolphins have, you know, not, not, not to use a pun here, but, I mean, they've got bigger fish to fry. And they, need, <laughs> they need a new head coach. And, you know, what's his philosophy going to be? You know, it, sound, it seems like they're, they're going to be ready to move on from, from Ryan Tannehill. And uh, if, if that's the case, you know, they're, they're probably looking for, for a quarterback um, early in the draft, if, if, if not in free agency. But you just don't really know where they are right now. I don't know there's a whole lot of stability there franchise-wise, um, and I just don't know, given the state where the Dolphins are, they don't look really very close uh, to competing to me in the division or, or in the AFC in general, and I think that's probably a lot to give up for a guy that's probably got you know, a two- or three-year win- window at best of, of peak productivity. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see why the Dolphins would, would do that move right now, and I think, I think that's why I'm like, you know, if, if we're going to make the hometown thing with Antonio Brown, send him to the Colts where he can reunite with his childhood buddy, uh, T.Y. Hilton, what a, what a receiving combo that would be for, for a team that's clearly on the rise. You know, that brings up uh, Nate Davis of USA Today. our guest. A couple more questions for you, Nate. This may seem like it, one has nothing to do with the other, but 
in terms of cap issues, it might. Does Le'Veon Bell factor into the equation here of teams that might want to go after him as he's a free agent in March, uh, but also want to acquire Antonio Brown? Because, you know, the Colts have been mentioned as a possible landing spot for Le'Veon Bell. The Jets, possible landing spot for Le'Veon Bell. Um, we talk about cap room. Does does Le'Veon Bell's eligibility impact what the Steelers may or may not do with Antonio Brown in terms of where they trade him? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought, you know, and I've had the same, and I think I mentioned it when I, when I discussed the Jets, you know, what, what better way to help Sam Darnold than, than maybe acquiring Antonio Brown and, and still having the, the ability to sign, you know, Le'Veon Bell, which, which, you know, certainly would be an option for the Colts um, as well. Uh, of course, obviously, you would think that, that Le'Veon Bell is probably going to have, a, have the freedom to, to call his own shot. I mean, we'll see what the Steelers do with him uh, this time. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that they're that interrelated, given uh, the Steelers obviously control Antonio Brown's fate uh, in this scenario. And I think if you're another team, too, uh, you know, get, given, given all the drama we've seen with Le'Veon and A.B., the last however many years with Pittsburgh now. And, and, oh, by the way, I think people, you know, if you stop and think about it, you know, Antonio Brown became a Pro Bowl player in 2011, and in that span, the Steelers have won, have won three playoff games. Yeah. I mean, how, how well has this triple threat thing, you know, really worked in Pittsburgh? One, one AAC title appearance uh, in New England that didn't go well. So uh, I, don't, I don't think a lot of teams are necessarily going to be looking for a package deal. I mean, if, if it's an option, I'm sure that they would they would look at it, but – uh, that, that that may be a lot of of, uh, of drama to import to one team, you know. Given that you've seen both guys, you know, be be such a distraction to the Steelers over the years. Well, what they should really do is go for the triumvirate and bring James Harrison in, uh, who's now <laughs> orchestrating things on Instagram. Uh, now you're talking about the the trifecta uh, there, Nate. Really appreciate your time today. Great article. Thank you so much for spending time with us. It was uh, very illuminating. Good conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Okay, my pleasure, Phyllis. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much. That is Nate Davis of USA Today. You know, something else to consider, maybe you still think that the A-B debate as to whether the Steelers let him go or not is ongoing. Something else very important to consider. And I'll discuss that with Matt Williamson. Matt joins us next. Am I forgetting anything? No? We did trivia, right? Good, I'm good to go. (laughs) See Matt will join me next. Saverin on Sports, ESPN, Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Obviously, this is not our usual business. Um, definitely didn't anticipate uh, standing here and having an end-of-season press conference this week, uh, or specifically today. Um, but there are reasons for that. Talk about the things that we need to do moving forward so that we're not here um, in this position at this time of year. Well, as Mike Tomlin said Wednesday, didn't expect to be standing there the first week in January talking about the end of the season. I thought he'd be talking about his first playoff game. By the way, we talked about, as you know by now, Joey Porter um, has been let go. He didn't have his contract renewed. Um, that, to me, is just management speak for you're fired. Um, 
That happened to me at Channel 4. Well, we're not firing you. We're just not renewing your contract. Well, Same with me at the Browns, yeah. yeah well, but well, none of my other counterparts came back either after we won yeah. two games. And, whatever, and, then, right? and then the other thing is, well, we're, we decided to go in a different direction. Well, obviously, if they're going to bring someone in to do what I was doing, you are mo- <laughs> That's a different direction. A different direction. <laughs> it must be someone with HR. Uh, by the way, just to get this in, Pat Narduzzi uh, made a couple of changes today. He fired his offensive coordinator, Sean Watson. So he'll need to hire his fourth offensive coordinator for his fifth season. And he also fired wide receiver coach Kevin Sherman. So that's uh, the other side of the building yeah. on the south side. Tis uh, the season. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. Uh, just your reaction to the, the Joey Porter thing. And the one thing I mentioned to people, um, you can look and say, boy, T.J. Watt's developing into a real playmaker. And he, he sure is, is yeah. Bud Dupree's not, probably mm-hmm. never will. Certainly Jarvis Jones did. So you can say, well, look at the bust-outs, but can you then say, well, T.J. Watt's a great talent, so Porter gets no credit for that. And the reason I bring that up, you were in the Browns organization. You, you know what film study's all about. You've done film study. To me, assistant coaches also have to con- watch tape and contribute to the game plan. Oh, Maybe sure. that's why an assistant coach lets go not only the individual performances of his position player. Oh, without doubt. I mean, and even on game day, everyone has their own responsibility on game day. Adjustments. Adjustments, or maybe you're the substitution guy, or, or whatever. Or, I mean, those guys spend countless, countless hours from the day, you know, after the, a game preparing for the next one. And really, it's just a dark room with the defensive staff. Like when I was at Pitt, there was five of those guys. They went and the door was, doors were shut for countless hours, and they came out and at the end with a game plan and how to teach it to their people. And if he's not contributing in that room, which none of us know, you know, then Don't. he really doesn't have much value. Um, two of, th- of the three first-round picks haven't panned out. And Bud, I'd like to see more of a pass-rush repertoire. You know, I mean – I don't see a second move. I don't see a, a, a development of pass rush moves. So, I mean, uh, judging what an assistant coach, even a coordinator is hard for us to do on the outside. But this one seemed like a pretty easy decision. Somebody suggested two things. Number one, Mark Cabali, a lot of respect for Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he remembers at least three times when Bud was in sack position and was held and it wasn't called. Hmm. Now, maybe every outside linebacker can say that. I don't know. I never heard it said much about Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> right. he got held. But, um, and, you know, and the other outside linebacker, we, you know, we don't know about Ola Danyin and, and, um, and, and, uh, I mean, Chicolo is what he is. He's a converted defensive tackle. Yeah, I'm right. I mean, Chicolo to me, is a fourth outside linebacker special teamer, and unfortunately he's playing a little too many snaps this year. He was a third here. Yeah, and he's a three here, and I think ideally he's a four. And you're right, he is what he is. I, I don't think he's got a real high ceiling. Um, I kind of like those practice squad guys, and, and we'll see. I liked them in the preseason, Ayers and Huguenin and Ola and, all, and those guys. Well, I mean, we'll see if they develop into anything or not. But I do think there's a need there. I mean, is uh, Bud's not going to come back at nine million? I mean, he's no. not worth nine million. I mean, maybe he restructures or signs a different deal. I mean, he's a he's a, a an NFL starter, but he's not a special player and probably never will be. Would you Would you like to see him stay at a reasonable price, whatever that is? Yes. Or do they need to start looking? Well, they got, that's so many other needs. Because then you but... create another hole, though, if he leaves. I mean, it depends what that reasonable price is. Because I don't think he kills you when he's on the field, but he's not an asset either. One thing about him, though, and this is a, not what you asked me, but look at it this weekend. I don't, I'm not saying he's Jadavian Clowney, 
But Clowney's a big, powerful, straight-ahead athlete. And they'll, they'll take Clowney and they'll move him into the B-gaps and have him coming crashing downhill as opposed to trying to dip that shoulder and get low like he's Von, Von Miller. If they do make a defensive coordinator move or whatever, I would like to see Bud used in different ways. You know, have him come in with a running start up the middle. I mean, line him up over a guard, those type of things, as opposed to being a flexible, nimble athlete that he isn't. Yeah, uh, that's a great point, Matt. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the practice squad because I have a note here I wanted to get. I, I was really disappointed to see this, that the Baltimore Ravens, maybe Ozzie Newsom's last act of thievery, signed Matthew Thomas, and who was on the Steelers' practice squad. They moved him to make room. Um, I think when they when they activated Adania, I, I remember the exact move. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he was like the rage of training camp. <laughs> yeah, he was. Their inside linebackers stink. <laughs> and no and, one's an athlete like him and, in and a group. Why, would they, why wouldn't they protect him, or can't they? Well, when I saw that come across the wire, I was like, man, what? I felt the exact same way. What are you doing? Until yesterday when I found out a little bit more about the situation. And I was very intrigued with him, too. I, I thought maybe he's a type of guy that can play man coverage on the athletic tight ends. He's long. He's lean. He changes directions well. He's fluid. Um, but to put it nicely, and this is kind of like a scouting term, is he doesn't take what you teach to the board to the field real well. <laughs> he's a okay. he needs a lot of reps. Okay. I got it. I got I got it. Everyone can figure out what that means, but if he doesn't know what to do on the field, I don't have a lot of use for him. Okay. There have been, <laughs> there have been other guys like that. Sure. They just, they just couldn't absorb they the need complexities a lot of reps. Yeah. And unless you want to keep him around for a special teams guy. I mean right, he's a right. terrific athlete. Um, and it'd be different if he was just a pure edge rusher, just sick him or a corner and just say, you got that guy. But in the middle linebacker, you're passing things off. You're reading keys. Uh, got to communicate. It's like, can't work. Okay. All right. That answers that question. Uh, back to the, the Joey Porter situation. Uh, interesting suggestion. We know, look, Joey Porter was a great player here. Yeah. Um, but we also know even as an assistant coach, he had issues. Um, and I'm wondering – Someone said, oh, Tomlin just trying to uh, put the blame on his assistants. This may have come from Art Rooney. Mm-hmm. It very well could have. Art Absolutely. and Dan have done it in the past. And I'm wondering if this isn't part of a, quote, culture change. One less distraction. You know, I mean, he's a brand-name guy. Um, I bet a lot of the people out there can't name all the Steeler assistant coaches, but they know who Joey Porter was, sure. you know, and – he has gotten in the had some incidents off the field, and even on game day, he's been a little more vocal and noticeable than an outside linebacker coach should be. Maybe I, I mean I, I remember, I guess it was the Watt Juju draft, and we sat down with Mr. Rooney at the facility, and in that 15 minute interview, I bet he said four times, "This draft is going to be all about captains and culture, and you know." Sutton and Watt and all those guys were high character dudes. And that was a little while ago, but that was off the AB Facebooking off season and all that. And clearly he made it a, a point that day that the people we bring in here are going to be a little different than, and I think that has to still be a sticking point. I would think so. As yeah. we get to Antonio Brown, um, you heard the end of the interview with Nate Davis. I've been talking about it. Um, do you suspect, based on what you know, what you hear, what you feel, that they are going to 
cut bait with Antonio Brown, and they really have no other choice than to get him out of here. Somebody said, well, you know, Peter King, things will cool down, and he'll have to apologize. How many times do you have to see this um, before you realize he's 31, he's going to be 31 years old, he's never going to change? That's probably true, and his upbringing is very out there, and you can understand kind of where he's coming from, but he's awfully, awfully immature. I have mixed feelings on it. I mean, Ralph Sinich helped me get my start there, and people know he's an agent um, locally here and was very, very high up in the world in the agent world. And he put out a tweet that I retweeted that he very much believes that Antonio is in breach of contract and they could get it if they went to court or whatever you have to do, arbitration, they could get out of it without any salary cap ramifications. Wow. You could basically tear up his contract. But that means he's going to be a Patriot or a Brown or, you know, He's going to be your enemy now, and you're going to get zero in return for him. Is the better move to eat the big cap number and trade him? I mean, there's a real market for wide receivers. I mean, Sammy Watkins made $14 million last year. Uh, the Browns gave a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Brown's more valuable than those guys. Cowboys. You know? Cowboys, I'm sorry, right. Um, so I do think people will want him, without a doubt, and I think you can get pretty much in return, but you'll have this big cap hit. All that being said... Just football, I don't think this team's a contender without him, though. I mean, I think they are with him. I don't think they are without him. But if he's burned the bridge to the point where he can't be around anymore, then the answer is obvious. I mean, then you then you ship him out no matter what. Don't you get that sense, though? I do right now. I mean, but I we know this isn't a hasty organization. If they sit down a week from now and mend fences, maybe that happens. I don't know. I mean, but the feeling right now is he's going to the James Harrison School of how to get kicked out of Pittsburgh. Right. Right. No question. Um, That's what Harrison did and, you know, LeGarrette Blunt and so on and so forth. Um, We've seen teams give up number ones, multiple number ones, because they had a specific need. Mm -hmm. We saw with the Bears, with Khalil Mack. We saw with the Cowboys and Amari Cooper. Um, Are teams more willing to do that in a we've-got-to-win-now culture? I would think so, yes. And there's so many teams nowadays. Like, everyone's excited about the Steelers offseason because, wow, they got a lot of cap money. They do for Steeler reasons, but there's still 20 teams that have more. (laughs) You know, and it – gets to the point where you're some of these teams, it's like Monopoly. Like, I got $100 million of cap space, and there's not enough guys to sign without vastly overpaying them and killing our cap. AB's worth the money he's getting on the field. And if you got $100 million to spend and 20 of it goes to him, and you're in a win-now situation and you don't have any other way of getting a top receiver, yeah, I'll give you some picks. I mean, some valuable ones, I think. I mean, and everyone's going to value his distractions differently, though. Well, I've mentioned uh, Ray Fittipaldo's article. It was excellent in the Post-Gazette today, um, offering a number of scenarios. A couple of them make a lot of sense to me. Uh, some of them don't, um, like the 49ers. They might be interested in AB, mm-hmm. NFC team. Um, but they've got they're – not, they're not, I don't think that they would give up or the Jets would give up a top two or three pick for Antonio Brown. No, I don't think you're going to get a top five pick in the draft. No, I don't either. So my question is, how high in the first round do you think that the Steelers could reasonably expect to get a number one in return? In other words, what position in the draft? Mm. I would have to study 15? it to see. Yeah, probably in that neighborhood. I mean, here's my thoughts on that. Is And this is a real general thought. Is And this goes back to the Steelers and how they team build, too. People don't realize this, but 
almost every draft class, or every draft class, doesn't have 32 first-rounders in it. I mean, 32 people go in the first round, but most drafts have between 12 and 17 players that everyone in the league has a first-round grade on. So if you're consistently picking in the playoff area, 20 and after, you pretty much never get those guys. You know, why didn't the Steelers get Derwin James? I don't take advantage. Well, they're in that group. So I think if you could stay in that neighborhood, and every draft's different. This one seems deeper, but not particularly top-heavy. I think that's a great target area. But you mentioned the Niners and the Jets, and my first thought when you said that was, they're not going to give up a top-five pick. But maybe you get that very, very early second, which isn't much different than the 22nd pick. You're still on that second-tier guy. You're not giving him first-round money. And maybe you get next year's second from a bad team or a player you like, a young corner, you know. Whatever. So, I mean, something along those lines. Those early seconds are really nice picks to have. Absolutely. Uh, And that brings me to what I found was a very intriguing suggestion. Everybody knows that whether he did or didn't, that Patrick Peterson wants out of Arizona. Mm -hmm. They got a young quarterback. They got a really good running back in Johnson, um, Josh Rosen. We don't know who the head coach is going to be. could be a defensive guy. We don't know. But – Antonio Brown to Pat to Arizona for Patrick Peterson, and they have the third overall in the second pick, number thirty-five. I'd make that in a heartbeat. See, I think I would too if I were Arizona, because if I'm Arizona, my would whole, you do that to Steelers though? I would. Well, my only I'll get that one second, but if I'm the Arizona, my whole goal is I got to make Josh Rosen's life easier. I mean, I don't know if he's good or bad. He had five bad blockers, and they all got hurt. So he had five backup to bad blockers blocking for him <laughs> and Larry and, and David Johnson and new coaches and who knows what's going on there. So they got to save him, and A.B. would go a long way to doing that. My only issue, I love it on paper, and I think that would make the Steelers a very good, you know, potentially a good defense. You don't lose a lot in terms of talent. Peterson's a very high-character guy, which is great. <laughs> he had a leader as opposed to the opposite. But that trade would, what, cost you $37 million in cap space? Well, <laughs> I'm not totally guessing, but yeah, I mean Peterson may, is supposed to be round. I think he makes twelve ish, eleven this okay. year and twelve next. But he's 28; he'll turn 29 mm-hmm. in July. So you know that, that that's not an unreasonable. No, he's number, worth that money too. You know, eleven to twelve. I mean, I even said before all this, back at the trade deadline, I would have given up the Steelers' first round pick for Peterson. So I gladly will bring him in and his twelve. Just thinking though, that trade with AB's dead money, which I guess would be dead money if you send them to anywhere. I mean, to the Niners or the Jets or whoever. But that's a lot of money tied up in one transaction. Would you give them AB and the Steelers first for Peterson and their second-round pick, third overall in the round? Or is that too high Mm. a price? I tend to think that AB is worth more than Peterson. So I want you to throw me a little something if we're going to do that swap. But one's a high-character guy at a premium position, and one's a pain in the butt. So I don't know how much that weighs in. I wonder how much, and Tom was asked this, how much this weighs in, and that is there may be players in that locker room say, I don't ever want to see him again. I don't care if he Mm -hmm. comes back and apologizes. And Tomlin said he certainly will take the temperature of the room. I mean, Good. that may end up being the deciding factor. Yeah, it very well could. And do you think there was some of that with Bell, too? And Well, yeah, I do. Right. I, I think after There's a certain point. The, they cleaned out his locker. And, yeah. You know, like, I mean, if Bell wouldn't have occurred, would this one have been easier to swallow? Or enough's enough of all this nonsense, get rid of both of them? You know, 
yeah, you might be right. I mean, that bridge may be totally burned, and and then you have no choice. And if you're going to add Patrick Peterson in the mix, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. One other question, Matt, we'll let you go, and that is, <clears throat> and you can look at this two ways. Somebody proposed this to me yesterday that, you know, you look at Antonio Brown's value, it's unquestioned. Mm-hmm. The other stuff can't be ignored. But you got to look at Ben's career. Two years, I would think, mm-hmm. max. Yeah. So if Brown goes, it would hurt, <clears throat> hurt him in the short team term. But you know what? Two years from now, two seasons from now, it's not going to matter whether Antonio Brown's here or not. No, unless you would have won a Super Bowl in those two years. Yeah. <laughs> With them. You know, right. Yeah, you're 100% right. That's like, what I'm saying. You have to look at it both ways. I know. I know. Like, people, I mean, it kind of goes back to, should they look at changing Tomlin? I'm like, not at this stage of Ben's career. Like, and should you move on from A.B.? Not at this stage of Ben's career. I think they're still a contender. Without him, they're not. Well, I mean, maybe if you had a Patrick Peterson, you are. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that has to weigh into it. And the smarter business move is let's kiss and make up. But, again, if he burned those bridges, those bridges are done. Um, one last note, and I'm sure everyone realizes this, but losing Brown, Bell, and Shazier in, what, 15 months? It would cripple any team. So if this team's 8-8 eight and eight next year, it's, it's hard to overcome, yeah. you know. And Bell, they at least knew the contract was going to, you know, that, that was a potential guy you're going to lose. No one could have predicted Shazier. No one could have predicted this. this. Well, maybe someone could have predicted this. But those are massive blows to an organization. And most people pre- thought that they were Super Bowl contenders pre-17 and pre-18 mm-hmm. because at pre-17, they had Ryan Shazier and Le'Veon Bell and so on and so forth. So yeah, absolutely. That changed and, the dynamic. And not to excuse what's happened this year, but – they're really only a couple bounces away from yep. us talking about, oh, the Chargers are coming to town, or who do they got after the bye? <laughs> Think about this. What if what if Baker Mayfield hits Jarvis Landry in that sideline route and that terrible field goal kicker they have kicks a field goal, Baltimore loses, and now the Chargers are coming to town and the Antonio Brown situation is still not resolved. See, yeah, that's, That might have been worse. I used to bring that up earlier in the week was, would they play him against the Chargers? Would he still be sitting out? I mean – it would have gotten to thir- or Thursday or Friday, and no one knows where he is. Well, you have to get the hippo. <laughs> you have to get the hippo head off first from uh, the mass singer. <laughs> right. you have to, uh, surgically extracted. Great stuff, Matt. Yeah, Thanks very fun. much. I, always fun. We'll talk to you again next week. Um,